You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thinking of buying a house and want a really low interest rate? Owning has a special for home purchases, where owning pays all your closing costs and the rate in APR is an unheard of 1.875% for a 15-year fixed mortgage with 20% down. This is the craziest low rate for a mortgage with no closing costs that owning has ever done. 1.875% rate in APR. Heck, we're almost paying you to live in a new house. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if you qualify for this crazy low 1.875% rate. That's a fixed rate loan at 1.875% with no closing costs. Call 8332-OWNING now because 1.875 could go away at any time. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Offer assumes the use of lender's choice escrow and title services. Call 833-858-0066 for terms and conditions. That's 8332-OWNING or owning.com. 8332-OWNING or owning.com. Hi, I'm John Meacham, the host of Cadence 13's new podcast, Fate of Fact, on how America and its political parties got to where we are today. Available now on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. You heard the man. It's another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Evan Jenkins across the mic from me. And Evan, uh, we're going to go twofold with this one. We're going to do a little bit of college basketball. And then we're going to finish off with some college football. Because uh, we're in that transitional period. And to be honest with you, I think by this time next week, we'll just be talking college football in this state. As Michigan has made it all the way to the Sweet 16. They're going to take on Florida State. Vegas has Michigan favored by three. When I look at these matchups, unlike the LSU game that I knew was going to be exciting because LSU, you know, Michigan went and they they rose to the challenge. LSU wants to get you into a three-point shooting contest. Let's see who can hit as many bad shots. And Michigan hit a lot of shots. Michigan actually won that game because they settled down. They fell for the they fell for the bait. They, they they took the cheese early in the game. LSU jumped out to that nine point lead. Michigan looked befuddled. Juwan Howard, I give him credit, settled his boys down, got them back into playing a half court basketball game. Let LSU run down, take a bad shot, but you don't counter that bad shot with another bad shot. You run your offense. They get the rebound. They take another bad shot. Will Wade is not a coach. Okay, don't know what he does. He's a concierge. He basically's on the sideline. At, hey, you guys okay? You need any more uh, Powerade, Gatorade? What do you What do you need here? Some protein bars? I'll get. I'll make sure I get you that. <laughs> He's not a coach. I mean, <clears throat> when you watch your team with, a, I think, a six point lead, dribble the ball out of bounds through a uh, behind the between the leg pass. You know, dude. Michigan then goes on a 10-0 run. Like, okay, at some point you thought you wanted to call a timeout, but you didn't. You just sat there because you're a useless coach who just overpays for his players. 
Allegedly. <laughs> but not really. It's it's <laughs> kind of weird, too, because LSU, if you look at it, they played a perfect first half. They didn't turn the ball over one time. Right. That's perfect basketball, in my opinion. Right. You're going to miss shots, and they still found themselves trailing. Right. And well, so it's what you said. Michigan did what they did early on this year. They made you play to their game and do it their way, and that way you're going to beat them down with 10 minutes left. Most of the time you have that team on the ropes and they're done. Yeah, and then you know Michigan was shooting 56% from the field in the first half. So they- oh, and they were open jumpers, too. It's right. not like a lot of them were contested. I mean, their rotations at LSU was so bad that athletes don't win you tournament games. Athletes win you regular season games. Right. And you see team basketball take over. And, I mean, I got to give you credit from episode one when we started talking about basketball this year. It was about Shondi Brown right. and how big of a player he was. And there was no bigger game he could have played than this past weekend. Right. I mean, he had a career high. Now, thinking for Michigan, can you get that uh, productivity out of Shondi Brown or was this kind of a one-time thing? It was a reason why it's called his career high. A- absolutely. And I think you are you know what you're getting from Shondi on the defensive end. He's a very, very good defender. He shows a lot of emotion on the court. We also talked about this where I thought against Michigan State, he was the one showing the most emotion, which was weird to me since he hadn't been here before. Right. And that's the kind of kid that you need in these tournaments. Now, the bigger question to me is, will Eli Brooks go and stroke it for 20 again? (sighs) I got a feeling probably not. Once again, if those two are going to bail you out every game, great. But if you're Michigan, you better have a counter to that because I don't think you're going to get that lucky again. I mean, that some of that, when it comes to the tournament, sometimes you have that game. I mean, you know, you saw Buddy Beheim. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be hitting shots from the logo the entire <laughs> tournament. That but sometimes incredible. you get that guy who is just hot. Yeah. And that's fine. But um, if you're Michigan – this game is going to be a little bit different. If you're Michigan, your problem is, as I said, they're a three-point favorite. Florida State has length. They're the tallest team in the tournament. That's going to be a problem for Mike Smith. It was a problem for Mike Smith against LSU. They they pretty much neutered him. They made him not play the game that he was used to, and I think early on in the game he got blocked a couple times, and I think that, that changed his everything Mm -hmm. and usually you don't see that with high elite players they get blocked they move on to the next shot and it was just weird because he had played so freaking well all year up until maybe the last couple games but size does matter in these tournaments and if you can take advantage like you saw Wofford right early on in that game he had um Brooks and Smith on him he kept taking it to the rack and after he would score he would motion down to the floor that they're too small. Mm-hmm. And that's where Jawan and actual coaching came out, and they're like, okay, Franz is going to guard him from now on. And it changed that kid's entire game. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you said. Coaching and good basketball is going to win you these tournament games. And Will Wade is just, I mean, he's a headpiece. He's nothing more than the mascot for LSU. It's not a Tiger. It's Will Wade. Right. Because – you don't allow that to happen. You don't let a 10-0 run happen in the tournament in the second half after no. you first after you you made have a, a lead, horrible yeah. tur- a turnover. You're right, where he dropped it between his legs, tried to hit the guy, and, stri- and timeout right then and there. You know what? Yeah. We're not doing that. Yeah. That's out of here. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you want to let your players play through it, 
but you can't when it's one and done. It's not the regular season. And when talking about Florida State, it almost feels like deja vu. What was it, three years ago that they played Florida State in the Sweet 16 maybe? Yeah. Or the Elite Eight? I forget which one it was. No, Sweet 16. And that's just how we talked about Florida State. And I feel like <laughs> their coach is going to cost them again. Yeah. Um, that game, 58-54. to 54. It was a slugfest. I think the same thing. Florida State can defend. Michigan can defend. Florida has more length than Florida State has more length than well, Michigan. They also have a legit seven footer to play on Dickinson. Right. So they can counterbalance every one of Michigan's punches. I've, one of these games, the loss of Isaiah Livers is going to come out. This may be the game because with the LSU game, it was just running up and down the court, and you got two guys who got hot and they stayed hot for that game. But this one, I think possessions are going to count. If Franz Wagner is not going to step up early, that could put Michigan into a hole. This guy, I mean, he comes around. If he treated the entire game like he does the final four minutes of the game, this kid would be a first-round pick. But first, you know, first 36 minutes, it's like MIA. Like, okay, well, where's Franz? Where's Franz? He's one of those kids, too, that that it's weird that if he doesn't get off to a hot start, he kind of just lulls into the game. And, and – not noticing a player sometimes is a good thing. That means that they didn't mess up, which, which you know, if you're a coach, that's what you want to see. But you're right. I don't get why it took until the last four or five minutes of that game to be assertive and take it to the rack when you knew LSU was not deep. I mean, they weren't even putting people on the free throw line because they weren't going to allow a cheap foul. Right. Go after them. Attack, right? Right. right. If they're, I mean, you got number four in foul trouble real early who was playing great on Dickinson. You got him out of the game, and that changed very drastically once he came out. So why didn't you just keep attacking? Well, yeah. Well, when you have open threes, you don't need to attack, I that's, guess. That's true, too. And uh, the other one, uh, once again, I keep saying, Hunter Dickinson is not the same player we saw earlier. I give Juwan credit. Um, he benched him and realized my team's playing better without him out there, and he left him on the bench. Uh, well, a lot of coaches won't do that. I mean, uh, I mean, let's face it, had they lost the game, that could have been Juwan's Ben Carter moment. Well, but also, that wasn't the style of game that was being played. A big man was irrelevant. In that I, I, no, I know, but I give coaches credit, but I mean, this is the big argument I have over that Michigan State-Syracuse game, and I'm like, dude, Jaron Jackson was useless in that game. Like, no, but still, you got to play him. He's a first-round pick, and you got to play him. It's like, guys, sometimes the guy is just not a good fit, and He's, yeah, the game is not it's not relevant to what they can offer. Right. And that game was up and down. And Dickinson, sometimes, in all reality, he clogs the lane for the bad. Right. You know, when two, three guys collapse on him and he gets confused, that's not good for your team, especially when it was a perimeter game. So I think Michigan did the right thing by getting him out. But I wonder if he's, you know... Early on this year, I looked at him, and I'm like, that's a top-five pick in the NBA. He can do it all. He can pass out of a double team. He doesn't take bad shots. And then this last month and a half, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, what happened to that kid that just did a drop step and a layup, Mm -hmm. offensive rebound, defensive rebound, and passed out? A lot of tape on him. Yeah. He figured out a counterbalance. It's like that pitcher in baseball where, like, oh, my God. And then you realize, oh, okay, you learn his tendencies, and he's no longer as Effective in the same with Hunter Dickinson. I thought he was first. I thought he was leaving after this year. So did I. And I'm, I was called crazy, that, and now I see why. I'm thinking I don't see him because. And here's the other thing. 
does he have a position in the NBA? And that's not a knock on him. It's it's like Luka Garza. Luka Garza's played for four years. I don't see Luka Garza in the NBA. If he, I mean, he's a backup. He's not ever going to start. They're going to be have to be guys that give you energy minutes. Yeah. But that's not a guy. Watching the NBA now is so drastically different than college. You watch any big man, they're still playing at the top of the key. Right. Just for a pass and maybe a pick and roll. But what would you say in an NBA game? 10% maybe they actually post somebody up? Right. And that's most of the time not even a center or a power right. forward. The, the days of Shaq down low are over. Your best, your best bigs are, are Sabonis, Anthony Davis, Giannis. I mean, guys that can stretch the floor. Right. And that you don't even see as a five. You just kind of see them as It's glor- a positionless game the NBA right. is now. So, yeah, I, I don't know if, it, you know, for Michigan, you're going to bring him back. Juwan's going to have to balance out, you know, the guys that are still going to be there this next year yeah. with the incoming class that he has, that number one recruiting class, that's going to be Juwan's pop problem is bouncing out all those minutes because I don't think some of these guys are leaving. It's like, you know, well, Coach, where am I going? You know, this year doesn't count. Like the Eli Brooks, the Mike Smiths, I mean, they don't have an NBA future. In my opinion, I'm not a scout, so maybe scouts see something different. than I would stay. Right. I mean, look at what they've built there. I mean – they're only going to be better next year, in my opinion, as a team with more athletes. But now the problem is it comes down to the NCAA has yet to say how many people can, you know, how, how are you going to expand the roster? Same is going on with football. If, if everything counts and you got an incoming class, technically you're over the scholarship limit. Is this a one-off for this year and this year only? You know, for basketball, you'll allow teams to exceed the scholarship limit by three or four players. But Izzo's rotation is going to be 18 deep. <laughs> right. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, well, at least for Izzo, some of the guys, like, we got to wait to see who's going to come back for them. Yeah. I'll get to them in a minute. Okay. But when, when it comes to Michigan, this Florida State game, see, I, I think Florida State is the game that they, would probably knock them out. If they make it to Alabama in the Elite Eight, I think they could beat Alabama. It's so not do I. They don't have better players. It's just Alabama doesn't do well under the bright lights. And that's an athletic team again. That's not a great basketball team, and they'll use their athleticism to beat you nine out of ten times. But that doesn't work in the tournament. We've seen that plenty of times. But this is where you need the coaching, and and this is where I don't know if Nate Oates has shown throughout the year that when they had the opportunity to give that knockout punch to show that Alabama was one of the elite teams, that was the game that they lost. It was was like clockwork. Remember when he got hired? And what was he? Was he at Romulus here or yeah, Redford? Or? No, he's at Romulus here. Talk about an arc of a job, huh? You went from there to where where did he go after that, like Buffalo? And then he went yeah, to Alabama. And now look at what they're doing. Because you thought Avery Johnson was going to do pretty good there. Out and in, out with the old, in with the new. And Nate Oates is rolling. Yeah, well, I mean, Nate Oates knows the game. And yes. Nate, Nate Oates knows how... Like, Avery Johnson was relying on the fact that I was an NBA player and, you know, I, I can I can get this thing going. I mean, similar to, like, Jawan Howard. Yeah. I'm an NBA player. I'm going to bring my NBA experience here. Nate Oates knows how to grind, how to get people there, you know, how to coach. It's just his team, their problem is they're a good team. It's just when the lights come on the brightest, they wilt. They, yeah. They've yet to step up to that challenge. But this Florida State and Michigan game – Look for, I, I'm not. It's going to be a, a probably a, a boring type of game. 
It won't be a ton of excitement. You're going to see a lot of defense on both sides. Can Michigan counterbalance Florida State's size? Can someone step up and, and, and fill in that role for Livers? Because it hasn't been Wagner. It hasn't been Dickinson. Um, that's the biggest thing. You know, neither team could afford to have an off night. And, and Florida State's, their main scores haven't been shooting that great either. They're winning games, but they haven't been playing that great. They've been kind of like Michigan getting contributions from other players than their main scores. So this one is going to be a head scratcher. <laughs> I mean, what, the game is Sunday? Yep, Sunday at 5. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait to see how this thing works out, but I don't think it's going to be as uh, as exciting of a game to watch like when it was, you know, Michigan-Ohio State or even the Michigan-LSU game. This one, probably a, you know, a race to 65, but uh, – yeah, I, I can't say I see a ton of excitement in this game. It's going to be a game that whoever wins, you're just going to take a deep breath and go, that's over. I like to equate these games as trip to the dentist, something you got to do, but something you don't want to do. And if you get out successful, it's like, all right. All right, we got <laughs> we it. Go. We no cavities, it. I'm in, man. So, so, yeah, we'll have to wait to see what's going to happen. But Michigan's, right as of now, is a three-point favorite over Florida State. Um, I'm, I tend to think that if Michigan gets knocked out this week, upcoming weekend, or I don't even know if you can call it a weekend when it's the, when the elite eight Sunday, played on a Tuesday, right, Sunday to two. So this next basketball weekend that the game that this will be their toughest of the two games. I think if they make it to the elite eight, they'll, they'll get to the final four, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's, there's two teams and there's everybody else. And I think you're starting to see. Everybody thought that, oh, no, Michigan deserved it. It's Gonzaga, it's Baylor, there's everybody else. Well, anybody that listened to the five-star zone at all during this season knows that. <laughs> right. And the best example I had from it was, geez, I forget who Michigan played. It might have been Illinois, but the game before it was Texas and Baylor. And it was incredible basketball. High flying, up and down, great shooting, good defense. And then I watch the Big Ten, and I'm like, oh, it's a slugfest. Like, ugh. It's different basketball. Yeah. And Baylor is a different machine. And then Gonzaga, I mean, I thought they played so bad in their last game and still won by almost 20. Right. Now, I, I look for those two teams to really uh, amp it up and get the cobwebs out and, and start playing this thing. They've kind of gone through the preliminary, and now they got to come through the real thing. Baylor – <clears throat> Baylor is Florida State, except for Baylor can score. Consistently. Yeah. Like, ba- like Florida State's going to hit you with size. That kid say, Mitchell for Baylor is so good. Yeah. That's an NBA player just ready to go to the league. And the white kid that can just out extend the floor. I mean, they just have so much going for them. And then Gonzaga, I mean, they can all score on that team. Right. I mean, Jalen Suggs, Mike Smith matchup. I think they managed Suggs. I mean, could Suggs be other than Timmy I mean, versus Hunter Dickinson? Advantage Timmy. I mean, Suggs isn't a, a Gonzaga player. If you look at him, he's nah. not. That's a big time kid. Well, you, but you, I give Mark Few credit. He realized I need to. I need a, an NBA top five lottery pick on this team. He's so, and good. that's the difference. That Suggs could. Suggs is making a case he could be the number one overall pick. If not, like if you're the Pistons, you're watching him and Cade Cunningham saying, okay. Which one? We're probably going to at least get one of these two to run our team next year. 
you only see so many kids in college every year that can take the ball to the rack at will whenever they want, and Suggs is one, yeah. and he can use either hand. It's so impressive to watch Dude, him play. I mean, honestly, we can go Timmy, ahead. And then Timmy, that center who you'd see at the park and never want to pick up. Yeah. But, boy, when he steps out onto that court and throws his headband on, he plays the game so fundamentally well. It's sick. Yeah. So, yeah, it sucks. It's, it's one of Killian, – Killian who? Killian Hayes. Yeah, you can just go back to wherever. We're just going to go ahead and drop you to the G League, and if you ever get healthy and ready, you can come back and play. So, uh, talked about a little bit Michigan State. I think they're going to hit the transfer portal. For Michigan State, their biggest thing is they, they have to find a, a point guard in the portal that helps them out. College basketball is a point guard game. I don't think you can just lay this all on the feet of Jay Nakins to come in and, and be the savior of this team. Freshmen coming in normally aren't that good. Case in point, look back to the Cassius, Miles Bridges, Langford, Nick Ward year. People forget that freshman year. They were on the bubble for a little bit. They were a nine seed in the tournament. They weren't that great. Now, they got better as time went on, but if you're Michigan State, they're looking at a few point guards. I don't know if they'll go to the fact of getting a grad transfer or just kind of tapping somebody. They're looking at this one kid out of Northeastern. I forgot his name, but uh, he was like defensive player of the year, averaged like around 17, 18 points a game. That's somebody you want to go that type of route with. You want to bring in a point guard to help solidify and, and help out Jaden Akins. I don't think they have one right now. Uh, I mean, you know, looking at uh, just just looking at this team, and that that's, that was the biggest. Aaron Henry, they started winning when Aaron Henry just took over the point and just said, you know what, screw it. I'll do it, and when I can't do it, Langford will do it. A.J. Hogard. He needs time. He he needs he needs some time. He has I, the right thought process going, but when it comes to finishing that thought process, it seems like it's all haywire. Yeah, I, I don't know if he'll ever be that guy. To me, he kind of looks like a guy who could, you know, if you put him out there with multiple guards, then, you know, he can hold his own. But if he has to lead the team, like some people can lead a team. I don't think he's that type that can absolutely lead the team. To me, Maybe yeah, he has to learn how to either develop a jump shot, develop three-point shooting, or something. He does nothing well. That's the problem. Like, Cassius developed a little floater, and he had a three. AJ just kind of gets in the game. and He just puts his head down and goes. It's just like no matter who's in front of him, you know that's going to be a charge. Yep, that's a charge. And, and you can't let him go, you know, God bless Tum Tum. You can't let a player be like that out there in this day and age. You can't have a player that just can't do basketball. Well, as I said, if it's that's, if that's the case, you got to be more like Travis Walton. Travis Walton could defend you. Travis Walton, he didn't score, but the, he didn't let the other guy score either. So his plus minus was still a plus, even though he had like two points in the game. He shut you, he, or he took eight points off of your normal, you know, you were averaging 14 points. You only scored six in this game. Because Walton was all over you and blanketed you. AJ's not that type. No. They, they got to get a point guard. I think the that's really what's hurting them. They're going to be able to go positionless with the other three guys. They got it, like I said, with Jay Nakins, with, uh, with um, Pierre Brooks, and uh, with Max Christie. It re- That class reminds me a lot of the Kalen Lucas, Chris Allen, Darrell Summers class, where that 
got Michigan State some length and some dunking ability and able to do different things with their wing players. You add that, you got to wait to see who sticks around and who leaves. I don't think everybody's going to stay on this team. Um, probably, I mean, if, if you look at it now, I mean, Langford already said he's not coming back. I don't think Henry Henry played himself out. I think he's going to take his shot at the NBA. Other than well, Langford that, did say he's done. Yeah, he said that at the post game press conference. He was like, "This was my last game for Michigan State." Okay. Now, I don't know if that means he goes to the NBA, goes overseas, or maybe he transfers to another school just to get a fresh start. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um, if you're MSU, probably the biggest names that you need to come back to help this team is. And I, you, I never thought I would say this, but it's it's the, the two guys who used to be the clowns on the bench, and that's Gabe Brown and Marcus Bingham. Bingham kind of changed his game as the season ended. Which was weird, huh? He that, became the guy that we all thought he could be. Change, you'd be a shot blocker, offensive rebounds. Actually, yeah, so he actually looks like he cares out there. And Gabe Brown looks like a guy who can lead this team. So those are probably the two biggest names that they had to recruit to make sure that those two don't leave. Uh, because I think that if, if once again if you get a point guard and you got a you know Bingham and and Julius Marble running your at, at running the post, I think you'll be okay. I think you're going to see Maddie progress a little bit more too, and right. you saw that at the end of the year where right. he wasn't afraid to shoot the basketball. So uh, yeah, it's I, but other than that, I don't know who's going to stick around. I don't know if the NCAA is going to expand this thing to a roster where you could have you know. 15 or 16 on the roster rather than the 13 for this next year. And the coaches don't know. They were like, we don't know either. We're just trying to plan accordingly. But you could treat every year like a red shirt year. So this may be the red shirt year that they've been trying to give Marcus Bingham. They've been trying to red shirt him for the last two years, well, last three. And he didn't want a red shirt. His first two seasons in, they's like, hey, you want a red shirt? He was like, no, I want to play. So they had to play him. They got a break because Bingham looks like a guy now. Just think about it. If you could keep holding on to him for two more years, he could possibly do something and, you know, become a shot blocker or something like that in the NBA. He could become himself a, um, oh, why is his name? Adrian Payne. He could be that type of player because he can shoot the basketball, which extends it. Right. So, I mean, if you can become that, your senior year at Michigan State, that's very See, he, I, they did a good job. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, if he can become that shot blocker and just athletic person and gain just a little bit of weight, it reminds, I was thinking more of Epe Udo. Or even uh, Deontay Davis. Michigan, yeah, that just was able to do something. But uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. What uh, about the kid Keon Coleman? Can he play point at all? Even though he probably won't get in until 10 games during the year. Well, he, he told me he could play point. So we, we'll have to see against, you know, Big Ten competition how good he is. Exactly. He's going up against some. Louisiana talent and Louisiana basketball is not Louis, – let's put it this way. Louis, Louisiana is known for football. So no knock <laughs> against him, but he's putting up 40-50 a game. There's probably a reason. You're putting up 40-50 a game, but you're not going getting basketball scholarships. There's probably a reason for that. So, yeah, can he come in and help out? You know, absolutely. At this point, he's free money. Yeah, to wait and see. Uh, they're going to be in the battle for Atlantis early in the I year. I saw they announced that yesterday, right? So that these hopefully it that, happens. Yeah, it's over the Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, Baylor's going to be in that field. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. It was another big name team going to be in that field. I don't know if it was Florida State. It was somebody else is going to be in that field, but it was you know it was a pretty loaded field. So 
That's going to be over the Thanksgiving weekend this coming year. So we'll see what happens there. And as far as football goes, Michigan State started practice. And, you know, I'll probably get into it a little bit more next week. But Mel Tucker came out and, you know, they, they've picked up more transfers. Um, Tank Brown. What a great name. Right. Linebacker, six five linebacker from Minnesota. He was PJ Flex's highest recruit last year. Transferred out after a year. He's coming to Michigan State. Um, Mel Tucker, in no uncertain terms, is showing you he's not satisfied with the team that he inherited. He is not. He's not holding hands. He's not trying to coddle people. He's pretty much showing them the door, saying you you don't have a future here. He's come out and said that he feels a lot better about the team that he has now. He feels better about the players he's bringing in. Guys, read between the lines. It's saying that he did not like the players he had. He did not feel good about the players he had last year. He did what he had to do. He ended up winning, at the time, two top ten games over Michigan and Northwestern. But I thought, I think you saw from the first game against Rutgers, this was going to be a problem year. How he pulled it together that next week for Michigan, don't know. At Michigan. Hatred. Embarrassed him. That's the only way. And it's like, I didn't know he had that type of hatred. Um, how he got it for Northwestern, don't know. Uh, but he's flipped this roster. This He's bringing in a lot of players, a lot of size, the offensive line. You you know, he's bringing in guys. The shortest one on the offensive line is 6'5". Look at a 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", offensive lineman. He went after the running back from uh, Wake Forest. He's still got the running back, uh, Harold Joyner, coming from uh, Auburn, who will join the team this summer. He straight up went PlayStation mode is what he did. He did. He he I'll may not you. be winning recruiting battles, you. but he, he's hit the transfer portal, and he's treating that like he's recruiting like he's Alabama. Well, and that is the new way to recruit because you're getting ready-made players. Correct. That have at least done it on the field, and you can look at actual tape. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can't look at high school tape and take something from it, but just as we were talking about the kids playing at Louisiana basketball, not every kid out there is a D1 kid that you're playing against. So when you get to see them in that action, it it's almost a better way to recruit if you think about it. It is. He's brought in. Yeah, he, he talked. He talked yesterday to the media. He talked about um, Drew Jordan the uh, defensive lineman from Duke. A lot of these guys, you know, I think are going to come in and play right away like Jordan. Others are, to me, I think he looks at it as supplements to the recruiting classes that D'Antonio had. I'm going to go out and get the guys you probably should have got. Oh, yeah, and I think he's going out and getting men, too, that are matured, that understand what the college life is, that understand that this is a little different than they've ever done before, but they still know what they have to do. And that, that's why I say it's almost better to recruit that way because you're not dealing with children at that point because there's immaturity when you come into right. college, yeah. plain and simple. Yeah, and and as like how you said it before, there's tape. I, I can see the guys who are serious about this and the guys who just, you know what, you, you, you look real good in some underwear Olympics in high school and you got this high ranking, but, yeah, you're not that good. He's really supplementing this team. In the end, a quarter of this team will be guys that were not there. And, I mean, by not there, I'm not talking about the incoming class. If you include that, Evan, you're looking at damn near half. Half the people on the team weren't on this team last year. Oh, except for Connor Hayward. I saw that he spoke to the media yesterday. <laughs> because apparently he has pictures of Beekman. That's he had crazy, of isn't it? And 
He caught Mel Tucker in a compromising position. Are we ever going to see another player that enters the portal, then comes back and starts like two right. years in a row? He played well last year for them. I will give him credit. He played better right, than but he you, had. You know what? You saw his limitations. Yes. Um, well, he's not fast. Right. On fourth and one, he's not the guy to get you that. That's why I'm happy for a guy like Harold Joyner because he's a bigger, faster, stronger version of Connor Haywood. He's 6'4". You know, you could line That's him up in a slot. Kid, and you're right, you could create a mismatch where Connor Haywood, the teams are like, okay, even if he catches the you ball. You can put a linebacker on him, no yeah, problem. Yeah, he ain't going to outrun you. He yep. ain't going to We'll catch him before he gets 10 yards. We'll get the first down. Don't worry about that. Unless he's packing on muscle like his dad, I don't think he's going to be getting those short yardage uh, calls this season. Right. But I also noticed the return of number one. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Well, first of all, they also picked up – they're tapping into that Georgia pipeline. They got Malik Spencer, safety. I'm all for kids from the south. I'm, I'm, you know, like, oh, but he's a three-star. Guys, when you come from certain regions, I don't care star value. Oh, get over the star value. The star, you know, a three-star from Florida, from Georgia, from Texas, from California can end up being a stud in the Big Ten. Well, and we've talked about the star ratings so many times, how you get these stars. Right. And also, it's no knock on anybody that's doing recruiting, but you still have to look at the book and, and who's writing that book, right? right. If, if it's me giving stars, I'm biased towards one team. Plain and obvious, right? But at the same time, I didn't play running back. I didn't play tight end. I didn't play offensive tackle. To know those intricacies. There we go. That's a it's a big word for me, Rico. <laughs> um, to know that as a 25-year-old kid that probably didn't play that much football, it makes you think, right? right. A little bit. But now I know some have been doing it forever, and they've seen it up and down, the best and the worst, and they've seen it develop and translate. So oh, but I get here's the it. other thing. But stars just... You're writing to a fan base. Yes. And certain fan bases, well, I'll make more money if I tell you these guys are great who are coming here. Now, There's having no said that, I do believe the five stars that Alabama gets are five stars. Well, but here, <laughs> ironically enough, there's a five-star that they got. i, I, I got to look the kid's name up. I'll have it for you next week, but he's a linebacker. He was a five-star kid. He's played... I think he's made all of seven tackles his entire career. He's in the grad transfer portal, and teams are looking at him, and it's like, okay, did he just get buried on Bama's team, or did Nick Saban swing and miss? Like, And it, and it but, happens. Right. This kid was a flat-out can't-miss stud who right now, Bama was like, you ain't coming back here. Well, and, and, I, and I look at it this way, right? So I went to Chippewa Valley. I grew up in Macomb County. The Macomb County best players are – D two players, maybe. Um, <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and say uh, Central Michigan or even you know Western. If you're getting crazy with it, but it's not often that you're seeing that. I remember, geez, my freshman or sophomore year, Craig Krenzel and Jim Sorgi both went to the Big Ten. Now, I mean, this is the front of the newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. And that was huge news. So you always have to look at the competition, right? Are you playing against a team who has five foot five linebackers that weigh 160 pounds? Right. Or are you playing against a team that has six foot five, two hundred and eighty pound offensive tackles? You know, and that's what you have to look at. And I always think it's interesting to look at the competition. But for every time I say that, you can go look at Derrick Henry's high school film and be like, it didn't matter who was out there. Right. He was just matured at that point. Right. He was just bigger, stronger, but he was just gonna run you over. Exactly. Now. But yes, the number one jersey is coming back. I, I like the fact I just 
That was one thing that D'Antonio and I disagree with. I thought he put too much stock. I'm like, dude, it's a number. Okay. You're acting like, okay, well, if you get perfect grades, you're all American. You know, like all these different restrictions to wear. It's like, dude, it's a number. Oh, but yeah, if you wear number one, people are going to think they're better. Like, dude, it's just a number. How is this any different from wearing number 10 or wearing number 80 or 81? Well, I mean, they've had some good receivers that have worn number one, right. some of their better receivers, but. You reward that to a player every year, in my opinion. It's like the captain C. Right. It's like, yeah, it, it kind of helps you in recruiting. It gives a carrot. That, you know what? If you come in here and you're a good player, we'll give you the number one. Not, well, you're never going to get now, this. I'm not saying you go and run it out to a freshman. It should go to an upperclassman, just like how the University of Michigan used to do it with their number one, and they went and ruined that real fast. Go ask the players that worn it there in the past. Right. And – it, it should be a reward, but I don't think you need to be an All-American, uh, Phil Steele All-American, AP right. All-American. You don't need to be any of that. Right. If you're an upperclassman as a receiver, it's an honor yeah. to wear The that. last number one would have been Kenny Willickis because I remember asking him, like, you know, technically, Kenny, you could wear number one. He was like, yeah, I know, but nah, I'm not going to change numbers. But, yeah, he could have wore number one because oh, he made the All-American list. But, yeah. So who was the last one? Was it Rodgers? Yeah. Charles Rogers. So, yeah, I think they're bringing it back kind of as a tribute to him. Good. I uh, mean, he was. Because <laughs> in, in the, they did the little Nike ad, and in there you see. You see you know, Charles, you see, you see Andre Jay, Rising. You see Jaden Reed, and he's like, yeah, you see a lot of Charles. Like Charles running down the sideline, cut shot to Jaden running down the sideline. It was awesome. Carl, Charles scoring and jumping up in his teammates' arms. Jaden scoring, scoring in the teammates' arms. Even Jaden gave a uh, you know a, you know he said rest in peace rest to in Charles, peace to Charles because yeah. he's got the number one. I, I like it. You know, is it putting too much pressure on him? I don't think so. I think he's the best receiver that they have. And yeah, you know what? In years later down the line, maybe a guy like a Keon Coleman is wearing number one. Yeah, and and it's an honor. I don't think it's a right or a privilege. I think it's a, it's an honor to be able to wear that. And I don't think it's going to add any extra pressure where the fan base is going to be like. <laughs> You're wearing number one, and you only have three passes for 35 yards. Come on, no, he's a, he's a good, and he's going to get the best coverage every game. That's flat out just a fact, right? As I keep saying, it's a number. Yeah. It's just a number. It, but it, it's something cool to work for. You know what I mean? And and I like that. I also like that they have a little docu series going on now too. Yeah, they're going to do uh, their version of Hard Knocks. It, it was cool watching Mel Tucker leave his house, talk about what he's going to do for the day in his sweet-ass Denali. I'm like, I, I was all for it. I want to see what kind of drink he was leaving, the Pellegrino or something like that. But then it just it's fun to see what you can't normally see. Mel Tucker gets it. He's got to win all the intangibles in order to sell this program. And it is uh, it's kind of like Izzo. Izzo, to sell Michigan State back in the day, that's when he developed, well, hey, we'll play anybody, anywhere, anyplace, anytime. Okay, you, you need a game on the moon? We'll play you. We'll yep. play you. Let's. We, we just need to get our name out there. I think that's where D'Antonio didn't capitalize. When Michigan State was at the top of the football mountain. He just said, nah, I'm going to take the weekend off. I'm going to go back home. And it was like, no, dude, this is when you strike when the iron is hot. Because he was very He could have become school. a name brand, and he never recovered from that Alabama ass kicking. No, he, I don't he, think he did either. He went back and he turtled and he went back into his shell and just said, nope, I just want to be normal. Followed that up with the 2016 year and it was he was done. 
Whereas Tucker is like, I'm not getting the five-star kids. I'm not getting the elite elite. But you know what? I'm going to show you this place is fun. I'm going to show you new helmets. I'm going to show you new styles. We're going to do things. If we have to turn into the Oregon, fine. We'll be Oregon. We'll do whatever. Because think about it. Before Oregon got all those players, Oregon was the team that kind of, yay, they had the wacky jerseys. They made it fun. All I Maryland, knew was Joey Harrington, and that was it. Maryland's kind of doing the same thing. We're going to have these wacky Under Armour jerseys. We're going to do the helmets, and fans are going to be, oh, I hate this. Guys, it ain't for you. It's to put yourself on the map. It's So, yeah, we're going to have different helmets. You're going to see the state helmet. You're going to see a black helmet. You're going to see probably black unis this year. You're going to see a lot of different things. They're going to do the Hard Knock series. We're going to bring back the number one. We're going to hit the transfer portal hard. Hey, kid, if you're good and you don't like where you're at, come to Michigan State, okay? Yeah, you made a bad pick someplace else. You're not stuck there for the next four years. The Spartans will take you. That's how he's going to flip this team. Now, eventually, he has to bring in his own type of players. We'll get into this more next week, but I'm telling you, if he can strike gold with a quarterback, I think that they can make a big leap from last year to this year. Now, you're probably looking at about a 6-7 win team. If he strikes gold and he gets he gets that counter cook type of quarterback with the guys on his roster he finds that guy that can be even a little bit of a difference maker I think now you see the number of games go up from six to seven to eight to nine to possibly even ten he's turning his defensive round he's bringing in speed out there he's bringing in people at the corner position at the safety position because those are big in that defense He's he's adding to that pass rush. He's bringing in a lot. And the O-line, okay, goodbye last year's O-line and no running attack. I mean, it bothered him that he couldn't run the ball. Oh, I'm sure it did. It just flat out was I mean, that bothers any hardcore football coach. That's not all about winging it up there. Yeah, so, yeah, bring in, uh, what, Kenny Walker, third. Bring in Harold Joyner. You got running backs. Now, what's going to happen? They're going to have a spring game April 24th, so hopefully they'll – be, allow some people in there to watch to see, but I expect probably 10 people to leave. I think a lot of eyes looking at what Elijah Collins is going to do because, you know, you didn't make that. Tr- you were supposed to be the centerpiece of the team. You dropped to the third string. He's brought in new running backs. I think the handwriting's on the wall for Collins. I don't know if he sticks around and plays. Does he go, you know, the Mac route, wherever, but. I think he's probably the one guy that most people are looking at. The old lineman, yeah, you guys, the old guys didn't bring nothing to the table. Quarterback, you know, is it going to be the transfer, Anthony Russo? Is it Peyton Thorne? Is it Hamp Faye who's up there? You know, he's he's taking snaps. So we got, we're going to have to wait and see. But Tucker's making this thing fun. I love the fact that they brought back the one. I like the Hard Knock series. He's He's keeping MSU's name out there. And, you know, contrary to to some reporters who <laughs> tried to get him to say, what's going to be the headline? And you know what? I'm, I, I don't do that type of stuff. I just I, we're here to win. Right. Ask, ask me a specific question. I'm not trying to do your job and my job. So. <laughs> Love it. What you got? Well, I got to ask if you had to pick. One kid on the Michigan State football team this year to surprise people. Who would that be that maybe we don't talk about enough? One kid. 
this upcoming season that we I mean, could it be the receiver White that we saw last year and only one game really perform? Could it be a tight end? I know when Michigan State's played well, they've always had a good tight end. I mean, they're bringing in tight ends. I don't I don't know if necessarily if they've gotten that guy. Um Walker is the, the running back Walker is the name of everybody. I mean, that's you know, Tucker is just raving about this kid in the workout room. They they feel like they got a steal. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for is a kid that maybe isn't on the average fan's radar. And I don't think Walker is. I think he's people are going to see him on game one and say, right. oh, where do we get him from? Right. So, yeah, I would say with him, defensive-wise. Will Kelvin Gervin make a, a step up? I don't know. Here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to Gerv, He's going to have the opportunity because he's there, but they brought in a ton of freshmen and they brought in a ton of transfers in the, in the backfield. I mean, in the defensive secondary, that's going to be something that I, I don't know if he'll be able to, to hold on to his spot. Now, Gervin played better as the year went on. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give him credit for that, but it's going to be, it's going to be a struggle for him to see if he can keep that spot because there's going to be a lot of competition. Last year, you know, Shaq Brown came from nowhere. And, you know, we he was a name that wasn't on anybody's radar. And he put now, himself in the NFL draft, that's for sure. Right. Now, you know, he may keep the streak going because he's going to get that drafted and keep Michigan State in, in, that, in that pool. But, yeah, I would say maybe Walker at running back. Uh, Ricky White. At rec- I mean, he had the big game against Michigan, but that was hurt, it, and and he dis- disappeared. But probably, I would say maybe, I would say maybe Drew Jordan coming off the edge. The, That's another uh, transfer from Duke. Yeah, the defensive line, big kid too, bringing some pressure to add with the D line that they already had. So, I would probably go just as of now that route because a lot of the other transfers they they're bringing in, they're good, but they're they're young. And that's where I don't know if they're necessarily I don't know if they're necessarily ready to jump in and start right away and, and see what happens. I mean, I'd love to say, oh, Tank Brown's gonna come in and be that guy. I mean, this, this guy, I mean, he's he's like your prototypical, you know, three, four type of linebacker where he could turn in to be that edge rusher type of dude. He could go and and cover a tight end, you know, he could cover, you know. You know, he could hold be a his Von own. Miller type guy right. where you can play them all. But I don't know if he's ready for that right now. Well, but impact for now, I would probably say Jordan. Uh, I would probably say Walker, the two transfers on offense and, and, and defense. And uh, yeah, we'll see you from there. Bam. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Maybe we're still talking NCAA tournament, but if not, we'll be talking a lot of spring football. For Evan, I'm Rico. Thanks for listening. Thinking of buying a house and want a really low interest rate? Owning has a special for home purchases, where Owning pays all your closing costs and the rate in APR is an unheard of 1.875% for a 15-year fixed mortgage with 20% down. This is the craziest low rate for a mortgage with no closing costs that Owning has ever done. 1.875% rate in APR. Heck, 
We're almost paying you to live in a new house. Call 8332-OWNING or go to owning.com to see if you qualify for this crazy low 1.875% rate. That's a fixed rate loan at 1.875% with no closing costs. Call 8332-OWNING now because 1.875 could go away at any time. NMLS 2611, licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, subject to credit approval. Offer assumes the use of lender's choice escrow and title services. Call 833-858-8006 for terms and conditions. That's 8332-OWNING or owning.com. 8332-OWNING or owning.com. I'm John Meacham. Welcome to Fate of Fact, Season 1. This series is about how and why fact became a casualty of war in the United States. Please listen and follow Fate of Fact, a presentation of Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. Available now for free on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.